The following is a message by the Rev. Daniel Hyde at Westminster Seminary, California. Statements, views, and opinions presented in this audio are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect and are not endorsed by the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. That's online at wscal.edu or call us at 760-480-8474. Dr. Kim must have been really desperate to fill the spot today. Uh, He doesn't know me as well as uh, he should, We went to the same college and were influenced by the same uh, professor. And uh, when he told me by email that I only had 20 minutes, I said, he really doesn't know me. He should have talked to Scott about that first because after 20 minutes, I'm just getting warmed up usually. But I I try to uh, keep it at 20 minutes today. Well, let us turn together in the Bible to the book of Exodus. And uh, to begin with, I'll just read from verse number one there. And then in chapter number 29, verses one through nine. Exodus 28, verse 1, and then 29, 1 through 9. Then bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests, Aaron and Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Ithamar. Now this is what you shall do to them to consecrate them, that they may serve me as priests. Take one bull of the herd and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil and unleavened wafers smeared with oil. You shall make them of fine wheat flour. You shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket and bring the bull and the two rams. You shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments and put on Aaron the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on his turban. You shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put coats on them. And you shall gird Aaron and his sons with sashes and bind caps on them. And the priesthood shall... Be theirs by a statute forever. Thus you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. So far, God's holy word. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, we want to look at this passage or these passages uh, this morning just for a few moments to meditate upon them and to think about what they teach us about the Christian ministry and just just to uh, summarize a few of the things that I have been preaching to my own congregation Uh, from the book of Exodus. Well, we want to think then about how the priesthood in some way is analogous to the Christian ministry, and that might sound somewhat strange to us, might seem a little bit papist, a little bit Episcopalian, but nonetheless, we're in good company. The uh, Westminster divines themselves, when they were speaking in the, uh, the form of Presbyterian church government, gave the proof text for the minister's duty of reading and expounding the word from the Old Testament law and from the Levitical rules. John Owen himself, also my favorite and no doubt the greatest of English uh, theologians of the 17th century, in his third book, it's a, a little treatise he wrote called The Duties of Pastors and Peoples Distinguished, he 
wrote that as he went to his first congregation in Fordham, a little country parish in the north part of uh, Essex County in England. And he wrote that treatise to explain to his people, his first charge, what they should expect from him and what he expected from them. And he did it all by showing how the, Levit the, Levit the Levitical priesthood, excuse me, and the duties of it uh, are analogous to the Christian ministry in terms of the reading and the preaching of the word and praying and the people's giving of their offerings for him. Well, the Apostle Paul also, if you want to look at one verse briefly from the New Testament, Romans chapter 15, Romans chapter 15, verse number 16, where Paul himself alludes to the Old Testament Levitical priesthood as an example of what he was doing in Romans 15, verse number 16, where he speaks of being a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. And no doubt you know the stories of 1 Corinthians 8 and 9, where Paul is speaking of giving to the ministry that ministers might be paid for their duties, and he alludes to the temple priests and what they have done. So we're on good footing to look at the priesthood in somewhat of an analogous way of what the ministry of the gospel is all about. So let us look at our passage here. Just to summarize from those few verses, you can meditate on the rest of the chapters on your own, no doubt, but just to say a few things this morning. First of all, the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ is a gift that he has given, and secondly, it's a means, and thirdly, it is a frail means at that. In the first place, the ministry of the gospel that we learn of here in Exodus chapters 28 and 29 is a gift that God himself has given to his people. And as a gift of God, it reveals to them, it revealed to them, and it does reveal to us the very heart and the very nature of God himself towards his people. We see his creative activity and his creative word, just as he spoke in the beginning, let it be, and it was so. We see God here commanding Moses with that creative, powerful word, as he has been speaking it throughout, to gather together to him Aaron and all of his sons to become a priesthood, to be servants, to be ministers of what the Lord would have them to do. And so he creates for himself his own glory and for the good of his people, his own children, this priesthood. Paul, as he spoke to the Gentile Ephesians, spoke of what is going on here in terms of the Gentiles having been strangers to the covenants of promise. It's important for us not to forget that while the old covenant was very legal, a very legal administration, and in some sense a covenant of works, it's still at its base level a, an administration of the covenant of grace. And one of the reasons why we would say that, and one of the ways in which we see that, is in the things such as the ministry of the priesthood given by God himself, created by him for the good of his people to show his beating heart, his grace and his mercy and his love to these wretched sinners in the wilderness. It's also a gift because it not only reveals the heart of God himself towards them, but it reveals the nature of the people to whom he gives the priesthood, the nature of its recipients. The priesthood was a ministry that was to bring the grace of God through sacrifice and propitiation, atonement, prayer, and teaching. 
and it does so to a people that were known as murmurers, complainers, sinners, undeserving. Even in Exodus 17, people who had the audacity to bring a lawsuit against the Lord who had redeemed them. It's those sorts of people that we minister to and Lord willing, you will minister to one day as well. Stubborn sheep, wayward sheep, sheep who get tired of hearing the same shepherd's voice, complainers, murmurers, but yet the ministry is given to them as a gift, even in ways that they don't understand. Well, it is a gift then as God creates it. He speaks it into existence. And secondly, the ministry is a means One of the wonderful truths that I have benefited the most from preaching through Genesis and now Exodus is to learn how God himself uses men, sinful human beings, as means of his everlasting purposes. We see it all throughout. We see his purpose to redeem. In Noah, we see Abraham called out of Ur the Chaldeans. We see him use Jacob, a a man who ran from God, a man who was wretched at heart. Moses, a doubter who had a lack of great, a great lack of faith, saying he didn't have the ability to speak eloquently enough to the Israelites. Nonetheless, God used them. God, as he says in chapter 28, verse 1, once again, he commands Moses to bring near to you Aaron, your brother, and his sons with him from among the people of Israel to serve me as priests. He didn't need the means, but he desired this means. It wasn't necessary to his being and his purpose, but yet God in his condescending wisdom chose to stoop down and to draw out of that murmuring, complaining, sinful people, some other sinners, to serve his glorious purpose. Let that be a warning to us as we study for the ministry and even for us as ministers. While the ministry is God's gift to his people, we must never think that we are God's gift to the ministry. We are what the Reformed Orthodox theologians described as secondary causes. That's all we are. Secondary causes. We are instruments, vessels, servants, stewards. We are not the thing itself. We must be warned then. We must not think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but to humble ourselves under God's mighty hand that he might lift us as well as our people up. But let me also encourage you to think about the ministry as a means. It should humble us and we should be warned not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but it should also encourage us to think that God actually uses me. That God may actually use you. He can bring about whatever he desires and in whichever way he desires, even without any means at all. But he's chosen. Wretched sinners. Men who are frail and feeble. Whose speech fails. He's chosen to use us. God has used his people throughout the ages and he continues to use ministers of the gospel to bring salvation to other sinners through the most meek of means speaking through unintended ways I can't tell you the the amount of times people have said one little conversation one act of hospitality 
one word, even one sermon. That itself was the difference and the thing that changed the way they saw themselves before the Lord. That should also assist you in fanning into flame, as Paul would say to Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God that is within you, to know that God uses means and that he uses us and that he may, Lord willing, use you. You should think about that often. You should meditate upon that while you're studying. This is why you study, to be filled with amazement and wonder that God has chosen to use and he has chosen to call you out of the congregation from which you've come, just as Aaron, just as Aaron's sons. You should be filled with wonder and amazement and awe and reverence. And that should cause that flame to burn brighter and that desire to preach to be even stronger. Well, finally, the ministry is a gift. It is a means and it is frail. We see that here in our passage where the Lord chooses out from amongst the tribe of Levi, Aaron, his sons, and even the entirety of the tribe and its various clans and families, as we read later on in the books of Numbers and Leviticus. As we think about those that the Lord chose, of the 12 tribes, he chose Levi. And we might be so tempted to think that he chose Levi because of Levi's holiness, because of the tribe's godliness, because the tribe distinguished itself from the other 11. They were much more pious. They prayed more. They meditated upon the word more. They sought God more. But don't forget Genesis chapter 34. When Leah's daughter was defiled by Shechem, who led the murderous rampage. Along with Simeon, it was Levi. The same blood that ran through Levi's veins ran through the veins of these priests, Aaron, his sons. The same sinful blood tainted by murder, rage, envy, jealousy, ran through the veins of all the people and does so through us. As my pastor, in, while I was in seminary, always reminded us as students, he said, the Lord didn't choose to use angels to be his servants. He could very well have used them. They no doubt would be better in some respects. They've been in the heavenly council. They've seen the face of God in Jesus Christ. They've heard the counsels of eternity. But yet God has not chosen angels to be his servants and to be his ministers. No, he has chosen weak men, frail men, humble men. Hebrews chapter 5 reflects upon this priestly service in a passage that should be familiar to you in Hebrews chapter 5 verses 1 and 2. Speaking, of course, of our Lord's priesthood, but yet he still reflects upon the old covenant priests. He says, for every high priest chosen from among men is appointed to act on behalf of men in relation to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is beset with weakness. That little phrase and that little thought that we can deal gently with the wayward and 
the ignorant, because we ourselves are wayward and ignorant, beset with sin. This should cause us who go into the ministry of Christ as frail men to rejoice that God actually does choose us. To rejoice in this abundant love of God and Jesus Christ that he reveals it through jars of clay as Paul describes the ministry of the gospel. Frail and breakable but yet in it, in them, are housed that inestimable treasure in our Lord Jesus Christ. And you are called to bring comfort to your people. You should be able to deal gently with the weak and the wayward and the ignorant, being yourself the same. The great Puritan Thomas Manton, known as the king of preachers in the 17th century, he describes the temptations in his sermons on Christ's temptation narrative, describes Christ's temptations in terms of the temptations of the people of God and especially as ministers. He says that we, like our Lord, having been tempted by the devil, that the Lord uses those temptations and that weakness and frailty that we have, quote, for the recovery of poor souls out of their bondage into the liberty of the children of God. He went on to say that temptation actually was a precondition to entering the ministry of the gospel. His point was to say that we ourselves must be touched with the lowest thoughts and the deepest struggles that we might be able ourselves to bring people up out of that temptation and their lowness. He went on to say that ministers should not only be men of science that is learning, but also of experience. We must be cognizant and understanding of our being beset with sin and weakness and frailty. And that's so graphically illustrated in, a, in the rest of the passage in Exodus chapter 29, which I didn't read, where Moses writes down the laws of the ordination liturgy, the bull that was offered as a sin offering, the ram as a burnt offering, and the, and the second ram as a peace offering. And those three offerings were offered not just once, but they were all offered every day for seven days showing the extreme weakness of the men who are being ordained. That they need many, many, many sacrifices for their sins to cover them, to prepare them, to set them aside, that they might be a holy people to serve the Lord's children. Well, let me just conclude by saying, what does this mean for us? If I haven't already. It means that we who are studying for the ministry of Jesus Christ, should pray. We should pray in three ways. In the first place, we need to pray as members of churches for our frail minister, even now. You need to pray for your frail minister now because the day is going to come when you're going to need the people who are sitting out there, their prayers for you. Don't forget that you are a student and that you are a member and that you are a sheep. Secondly, you need to pray for yourself. You need to pray for yourself because you are called by God now to submit to your pastors and your elders, as Paul and the New Testament teach, knowing full well your difficulties in submission, our idle hearts, our desires for power, to, our desires to critique, and our desires to know better. 
I could have preached that sermon much better. I had a better thesis and three better points. I've been there, so I know the thoughts. But pray for yourself now as you seek to enter the ministry, knowing that you are weak and frail. Pray for yourself that you'll be prepared for that. Finally, you must be in a constant state of prayer and watchfulness as as a student, but especially as a minister of Jesus Christ. Constantly watching for the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. To pray that he would, the Lord would protect you and preserve you from him. That you would constantly rely upon Jesus Christ and his blood, his sacrifice on your behalf to cover those sins. Humble yourself before God. Confess daily, moment by moment, your utter frailty before him. So, brothers, the Lord has given the ministry of Jesus Christ as a gift to his people to be a means of accomplishing his eternal purpose and to do so through frail and sinful and weak, needy themselves, men. And as you prepare for that ministry, may your minds be understanding of the high calling. May your hearts be enlarged with the wonder and the awe that the ministry is. May your knees be sore all the prayers that you've offered and struggling with temptation and may your tongues never cease to be tired as you unceasingly pray and praise the Lord for this wonderful gift which all points us to the Lord Jesus Christ the great high priest and the great bishop and shepherd of our souls amen let us pray We do thank you, our merciful God, that you have seen fit in the history of your redeeming work to choose out from amongst your people, people just like them, to be stewards, servants, ministers, pastors. And we do pray, our gracious Father, that the men who train those men here, that that they themselves would be filled with wonder and awe for the, the wonder of the ministry the calling that you've placed upon their lives as well as those that are preparing for that ministry itself. We ask that you would fill us with your spirit. Prepare us, O Lord, for the calling that you would have for us, whatever that might be, and that in all things we would truly seek to be servants, to step into the background and to allow Christ to increase ourselves to always decrease. We thank you, Lord, that we, though frail, can be used by you as jars of clay to house your great treasure of the gospel. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2009, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.